Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie, a mom to a Mito fighter. On our podcast, Energy in Action, we talk all things Mito, and I'm glad you're here to learn and to be part of our community. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Energy in Action. I'm your host, Stephanie. I am excited to have our next guest on and share all of this awesome information with you. We are working on grief. With the holidays coming up, I thought it would be a great time to get some strategies in place and to talk about some of the things that we don't normally like to talk about. The holidays kind of are kind of a ritual, right? We like to have our things in their proper places during the holidays. And at that time, it's when we unwrap all of the ancient legends and talk about the oldest of truths. And we take solace in our rituals and, and being familiar with everything that's unchanged. And the festivities, they just bring such a sparkle to the ordinary and they reveal to us what our heart's true desires are. It's the meals, it's the faces, and it's the music, and everything's familiar. And the holidays, they just renew that promise that this is who we are and this is who we will always be. Especially at Christmas, I think people tend to find a calmness in a world that is just ever fervent and ever changing. And then there's when our worlds get dumped upside down and they are shook and they're broken. But it's in the roots and our rituals where we where we find that our roots will run deep and we reach into our depths to find our reserves to just keep going. And with that, I'd like to introduce you to Lisa. Lisa is the author and social media guru of Grief Speaks, and I hope you enjoy our, the conversation that we are having because I thoroughly enjoyed it. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us uh, right now during preparation for the holidays. I think you're going to have some fabulous advice for our, our listening audience on how grief works in our lives and how we can have some strategies to get through the next uh, eight weeks. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. I think it's an important topic for all of us. I do too. But uh, Before we hit record, I think I should just let our audience know Lisa and I were having a great conversation. And one of the things I wrote down was building a toolbox and, and know where our tools are and how to use those tools. And I think I know I always talk to the audience about, you know, having a toolbox and knowing what your resources are, where to get the resources, who to rely on. And building the self toolbox for managing grief isn't just a holiday thing. And let's talk about some of the strategies or the tools that you and I were talking about to help people get through grief of any stage, really, whether it's your first holiday without somebody or it's your 10th holiday like me. This is our 10th year without my husband. And I'll tell you, it, you go on, you don't move on, you go on. And it's it's still hard. It's still there are days where it's raw. I was telling Lisa, you know, just walking into Home Depot and my husband, my late husband was a handyman and walking into Home Depot and just smelling Home Depot used to send me into a complete panic attack. And I would go back out to my car, immediately go back out and sit there until I could get myself together. And Lisa just reaffirmed that that was totally okay for me to just turn around and leave. And in 10 years, that was the first time somebody has actually affirmed to me that you're you're totally okay to do that. So let's just start right there. What are things that are totally okay to do if you need to do to get through the holidays? Yep. So yes, absolutely having an exit strategy. I was telling Stephanie and I tell all the grievers I work with, when you get an invitation, especially around the holidays, 
We don't know as grievers how we're going to feel tomorrow or sometimes in an hour. So when someone invites us, it's, it's important to say, I don't know how I'm going to feel them, but right now I'd like to say yes, but it may be that that morning I just can't get myself there. And if that's not okay because you're buying expensive tickets or you need me to be there, then I'll probably say no. But if I can have that option the morning of, yes, always have, then I will say yes. Always have an exit strategy. When you're invited somewhere, especially if it's a gathering that's going to last or a dinner, say you lost your spouse and you're going to a dinner and there's a lot of couples there and you didn't expect there to be a lot of couples or you lost a child and you're with other families and their children are there. Either drive, I always say the best thing would be to drive yourself if you can. If you don't drive or can't drive, have someone who's not going to stay take you out of the event. Because what's really important, just like children at funerals, we say that we want to prepare them and give them options if after five minutes they say they want to leave. Same thing with adults in grief. We need to have a lot of options for ourselves. And I think that one of the greatest tools is giving ourselves permission to say, I can't do this. When Stephanie left Home Depot, walked in, was not expecting to be overcome with all those smells and sights that reminded her of her husband. You got to go. If you're in the grocery store and you just filled up the cart and all of a sudden you see someone that reminds you or a child says something in the next aisle that reminds you of your child and you, you can leave. You can even tell the manager, I can't, you can bag this or, or just walk out. And it's okay. People do it all the time. And that's okay. And I feel like we're kinder sometimes to other people who are going through grief than we are to ourselves. Yes, we are. We have such expectations because we think I have survived XYZ. Why can't I survive the smell of Home Depot? Right? Absolutely. And you, you, you feel like you're just letting your own self down. But I love that exit strategy and, and giving yourself permission to just get back to, I always say, get back to safety, you know, like when your kid's and you're playing tag and you just get back to your safe zone, you know, get there and regroup. Yep. Get back to safety. Another thing that you talked about, which something had never occurred to me, but I love it is recording voice memos to give yourself a pep talk. Let's go through that. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes when Stephanie, I met you and she left Home Depot, she called, and this is something I hadn't heard. You know, I, you had said, I have a circle of friends, but I also have some that are in my corner, and I love that. So say you're having a really difficult moment, hour, day, week, some of you are like year, 10 years, absolutely. And you need, in that moment, you want to hear from one of those people in your corner, but they're tied up. It's the holiday time, and they want to be there, but they're not. It is such a great thing to do when you're in a, uh, having a day where you're not so in it that you can record a voice memo to yourself on your, if you have a smartphone, you can make a recording using your own name. So Lisa, I would say, Lisa, it's okay that you're feeling like this. I know this is really hard. Whatever you need to say, whatever it is that you wish somebody would say. Like so, so many times myself, I wish people would just learn how to let grievers be where they are and not try to talk them out of how they feel. Like I want to do a TED talk called Shut Up and Listen. And don't give all this like, 
oh, you know, think about, think about this and think, no, just, wow, you, it's okay that you're really scared right now. It's okay that you're really overwhelmed. And then you can say to yourself, I know this is a really hard moment you're having. And we have gone through many hard moments. And remember that we, what, what helps, you know, put on that song without any words, maybe make a cup of tea, maybe go for a walk, even if you only have energy to go stand outside in the sun for a few minutes and say some kind things to yourself. Because hearing our own voice speak our name in a kind way with compassion helps so very much. It does. And I like what you said about just listen and be quiet because comparative suffering, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. And she says, comparative suffering is just a bankrupt idea. And every time somebody starts with, well, at least... And as soon as they say, at least, I know they're going to try to tell me, well, at least your dog didn't die. And it's like, no, my dog didn't die. But today has just been a horrible day. Yeah, right. And don't I always say to people, don't at least me to death. That just minimizes what I'm going through. And I don't need to be minimized anymore. <laughs> yeah, And even that I wish we could like Brene Brown. I'm also a fan that we could educate friends. And sometimes, you know, in grief, we don't have that energy to be kind in saying it but kind of call out because there are friends that are well-meaning that we don't want to lose touch with, but they need a little coaching. And you could say, I know you're trying to make me feel better by pointing out all the things I do have. Here's what would really help me. If you just, when I'm in one of these places, just listen and not try to feel that you need to bring me to a better feeling place. That would really help. And then there's other people that at least us to death that we're not going to answer their phone. I mean, thank goodness in this day and age, we do have caller ID because I was just saying to a friend, whoever invented that, like we are not grateful enough for that to see. Because in the old days, we picked up the phone and didn't know who's going to be there. Oh, I amen to caller ID. You are you nailed that one. I have I cannot tell you how many times I have been. Not today, Satan. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And so many of the, the listeners will have people say or ask a lot of questions, say the things like at least, which not helpful, share their story. And we want to say, could you just stay with my story? Or ask so many questions like they're writing a book. I mean, I've had grievers learn to say, you know, get have your publisher get in touch with my editor because it sounds like you're writing an article. And again, people sometimes are nervous and we know Grievers are so generous often with their understanding that other people mean well. But again, in grief, we have so much energy to use each day and we're tired. It's physically exhausting grief. You know, you go things that you used to be able to do, taking a shower. It's like with depression. People will say, I ran a company, raised kids. And when I'm in a depression, which is different from grief, but some similarities, taking a shower feels like climbing a mountain. And so it's so important that we say no to things that may be even good, but we just don't have the energy for. And that gets tricky because sometimes we want to isolate. Some of the listeners, they know that they're the kind of people that tend to isolate when they're struggling. And like what you did when you left Home Depot, you made a call. Sometimes we have to push ourselves to reach out to another human for that contact with a safe, trusted person, because that's important too. And we have to catch and say, I haven't talked to anybody today. 
or in two days, I need to push myself to make that call. Even if I say I can only talk for a few minutes, because that's important. That is important. I think another thing that you and I were talking about when you're at the holidays, I think it's just because more people are out and about and we're all kind of coming out of COVID. And there are some people who are so excited to be like back in the world again. And they're just kind of like buddy the elf right now to me. And (laughs) just so much like how much sugar have you had? (laughs) <laughs> and they, you know, they want to ask and they, they come up to you and they're, they're, they're joyful and they, they want to ask you, you know, how is so, like, how is your son? Or I heard about your husband and you said, and I love this because nobody, again, nobody's ever said this to me, said, it's okay to say, I'm not in a place where I can talk about that right now. Absolutely. And you can say that without being Debbie Downer, without being rude. It's acknowledging the question they asked, but it's being very truthful to them that standing in line at the grocery store isn't where I want to tell you where I'm at because it's not a good place or it may be a great place, but I'm just not willing to talk about it right here. Absolutely. And again, that comes down to always having choices and options in our toolbox that I like to have grievers practice a couple of lines to say to people in case someone comes up to you in the grocery store, because this happens all the time, that didn't hear what happened, even if it's been over a year, and they come up and say, oh, how's your son? And you're completely caught off guard. Or they come up and say, oh, I heard. And, and it's okay to say, thank you. And I can't talk about that right now. Or people have said to me, sometimes I lie, they'll say, how's the family? And I clearly know they didn't hear what happened. And sometimes I don't have the energy and I'll say, everybody's good. And then I just go, the other thing that I really love, you know, we have headphones and AirPods, whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. If you walk around, if you're in one of your moods, you have, not in a mood, if you're in a lot of grief that day and you're hoping you know you have to run into a store to get something, but you're hoping you don't see anybody. You can walk in with headphones or hold the phone to your ear. I think many of us have done this and pretend you're on the phone with somebody. And they someone comes up to you. So you see someone that you know is that neighbor and they come up and you're like doing that. I'm so sorry I'm on the phone right now. And now they can't talk to you. And I love that. That is a great, that you're right. That is like a universal acceptance. Yeah, it really is like, oh my gosh, they're on the phone. It's like, yep, they're protected. It's like thinking ahead. How can you protect yourself? I just had a client today and one of her friends started talking to her about the loss of her son. And at first it was supportive and then it got preachy. And we were talking that she said, but I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but it really made me go into a spiral. So what can we do for next time that were to happen with anybody? How can we cut them off and say, you know what, this has been so helpful. At this moment, could we talk about anything else? Tell me about your life, your family. Let's talk about the weather. I just need a break. And that way you're not getting snippy. And you will sometimes, all of you will say, wow, I lost it the other day with somebody. Somebody called a random person or a friend. And most people understand that because grief is overwhelming and grief is anger and sadness and regret and all sorts of things. And we look around and it looks like everybody else has this easy life or you do have friends that as far as you know, because we never really know all the people are dealing with, but it looks like they people will come up to you and say, wow, you look sad today. So say you had a loss of a child 
or a spouse and it's been eight months or two years and the holidays are coming and they say, what happened? You look so sad. And I have so many grievers say, what happened? My world fell apart 14 months ago. That's what happened. Oh, it's still that? Okay. I thought you'd be like past it. And again, even our wording, as you said, Stephanie, move on. Closure. All these terms, like, you know, we pathologize grief to a degree, and now it's complicated grief disorder. I'm not saying that's not real. And I do have clients say I'm stuck in my grief, but like losing a child forever, people are grieving their children. Yes, exactly. Nothing wonderful that's going to happen. They're going to think, why couldn't they have been at the brother's wedding? I wish they were here for this. I wish my husband could have seen this. So when people are like, you know, you have like a year, no, it's forever. And it changes. And it doesn't mean it just gets better. We learn to carry it. I like Megan Devine's work in It's Okay That You're Not Okay. And many people have said, we learn to carry it. Yep. We grow around it. We know there's that heartache. We make friends with it. I tell people that too. Not that we always feel like it's a friend, but we learn to welcome it like Rumi's guest house. Like here it is. I'm waking up and I have that pit and I feel really sad, hand on the heart. What do I need right now? Do I need to have a good cry? Do I need to not answer the phone unless it's the people in my corner today? Mm-hmm. Do I need to put on music that has no words? Because a lot of times music with words is too hard. And also, just like when you record your voice on a day when you're not so in so much pain, make a list of the things that give you a sense of strength, the things that make you feel safe, the people, places, and activities that give you strength. For some people, it's their faith. For some, it's their dog. For some, it's nature. Like, where do you go to get strength? Where do you go to feel safe? That is a good idea. And on those difficult days, we need more of that. Yeah. So again, another great tool would be just have that list. So you're not trying to think of what can I do? How can I, you know, because you're already feeling, I call it the swirl, where what do I do next? So if you have that ready-made tool, that list of, oh, that's right. If I go out for a walk into the park, that calms me down. Absolutely. Your your thing is, that's a great idea. I like that because when once you get into the swirl, sometimes it just becomes a typhoon. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, and the part of the brain that thinks clearly and makes decisions and organizes us is not online when we're overcome with a lot of that grief. Right. So it's really important to have that, pull it out of your pocket and say, or have it on your fridge and say, these are the things that are important for me to do. I have to remind myself to eat something healthy. Oh, yeah. Have that tea. Get outside. Because those things, in the beginning, you got that lump in your throat that's so big. Yeah. Well, one thing that I don't think grieving people hear enough is the name of their person. And I say all the time yes. to my kids and to my, and my family, I say, it's okay to say his name. It's And I remind people who are telling me like, oh, my friend, you know, they just lost their son or they lost their parent. And I said, you know what really helps a grieving fr- a person is when you go up to them and say, oh, today I was cleaning out my garage and I found this tool that Troy had loaned me 
And it brought back this great memory of when him and I fixed that fence together and we ended up curing all the world's problems over two Miller lights and this hammer. And, <laughs> and I just, I miss, I miss having my next door neighbor slash handyman slash BS friend. And to have somebody tell you that story and to give you an item of absolute zero significance just means so much. And so much. when I've done that and I've told my siblings that, and they have kind of turned it around and have reached out to my, my own kids. And, and my, my kids are adults. My daughters are 31 and 26. And they've, they've said, you know, I found this picture of your dad. It was when your mom and dad were first married. And, and they tell the story about why the picture was taken. And they're like, and you can, you know, keep the picture. My girls have just been absolutely captivated that a, somebody remembered their dad, shared a story or, a, or a, memory about their dad that they had never heard before and it just made them feel like he was a part of us because if you don't say their name people act like well he doesn't exist anymore absolutely it's so important to say their name it's so important to remind friends like you can talk about them if they were here we would talk about them please even for the holidays People will do memory stockings and put a stocking up for the person and have kids and family members when they visit drop off a memory, just like sometimes at a funeral. They'll have like a little place to put written memories when people come to a wake. It's nice to do in a wreath or make a wreath for Thanksgiving or the holidays after Thanksgiving. But people have done that too with things they're thankful for and they put pictures around. I love some people have told me they've taken photographs of people that are no longer here in the family, but also that are here, but mostly the people that are no longer here in their body. And they take the photographs, put them all over the dining room table or kitchen table and cover it with a clear plastic tablecloth. And then when they're eating and they're funny pictures or someone will say, oh, I remember that fishing trip. Oh, I remember... And again, it's it's bringing the person present. Some people want an empty chair at the table, and some people don't like that. And again, this is what works for the griever. What's complicated is that families go through holidays together, and everyone grieves differently. Like you have three children. They're all different and process things differently. And even your two daughters, I'm sure one is more open than the other ones, more private in their emotions. And so with a family, it's important to talk about that. So mom maybe just lost a child and the other kids, even if they're adults, are like, are we not going to put a tree up? I know you're sad, mom, but it's still, and how do we negotiate? So having those conversations of this I can do, this will be too hard for me. Let's all talk about what we're thinking, what it would be like, and how can we compromise. I say that about holidays, anniversary days for the person, their birthday. What are things that each of you would like to do or not do? And how can we make it so everyone gets a little bit of what they wanted? You want to eat his favorite meal. This one wanted to share some stories. Mm -hmm. So that way, it's that's important too. Knowing that we don't always know how we're going to feel when that day comes. On his birthday, my late husband loved chocolate chip cookies. And so I just make cookies galore or I go to Costco and buy cookies. And then I just 
bring them places. And people are like, what's the, what are the cookies for? And I'm just like, oh, you know, just felt like sharing cookies today. And then I don't know why or how this started, but right, I think it was on his birthday. I gave each one of my kids $51 bills. And I said, I want you guys to go pay this forward somewhere. I don't care if you give 50 bucks to one person, if you pay it forward at, at Starbucks, I don't care how you do it, just do it. And at first they were like, this is the dumbest thing you've ever done. <laughs> but now, <laughs> 10 years later, they still love having that that tradition of, because their dad was always somebody who was, you know, one step to pay it forward, you know, you know, going that extra mile. Oh, I love that. And I said, you know, just in honor of your dad, just go pay something forward for somebody else. And they, and it's so funny to listen to them talk about like what they did or how they did it. And I love that. That's something that we've done. That's a beautiful thing. And I love that even with the cookies. <laughs> and I know people have said to me that their son's birthday, that one woman said, my son died at three. And I, every year on his birthday, go to a bakery and I go in and I'll wait around and someone's buying a birthday cake or something and I'll pay for it and say, this is uh, a gift from my son and I. Oh, wow. And she said, I don't even go into details about is what I want to do. Oh, I love And sometimes that. people do anonymous gifts like that. And I love that too. Sometimes families for the holiday will say, let's skip this year's holiday and let's all go volunteer together mm -hmm. at a local food bank. Yeah. Or let's serve a food for the homeless and do something, especially like Troy, you said, love to, you know, pay it forward. When you think about things that the person, the essence of them, even if they were young, mm -hmm. what was it about them? Because I always ask when I go into schools or work with families, like, tell me about the person. What was it, what's a quality that you admired about your grandfather or your sister or your dad? And they'll tell me and I'll say, well, when you're nurturing that quality in yourself, that's another way you keep them with us. We say their name, we keep them alive with us. We, we grow those qualities that we admired in them. Mm -hmm. We learn something, we, we do an activity that they liked. Those are all things that we carry them with us. And around the holidays, again, we can get creative about what would be a nice way to bring them into the holiday with us. What was something they loved? We have to make that pie because she loved that pie. Right or like chocolate chip cookies that Troy loved. And that's so important, bringing them in. It's sometimes like you give them out and what's the, why are we getting cookies? Just because, and sometimes we wanna say why. Right. Do those things, make the cookies, make the bread, do some knitting, do things that you know how to do and you know how it goes. Especially, remember we talked about feeling safe what are the things that make you feel safe? Safe is that I know if I do this, this is going to happen. Take an, some time and make some lists, things that really help you. And that's such a good tool. No is a full sentence. Having exit strategies, doing that self-care. What are those things that, that feed you? There are some cultural differences among grievers. And some cultures in that first year People have told me we don't reference them by name, but again, we can ask people, is it okay if I say, but for most people, hearing somebody's name makes them cry happy tears. You know, and that's the other thing. 
people supporting grievers often are like, I don't want to make them cry. I like when they say I didn't want to remind them. But I don't think they really mean remind, but it, that's what they'll say. I didn't want to remind them of what happened. Well, you're not reminding them. It's always on their heart and in their mind. But they may cry, but all te tears are healing. And we cry when we're touched, when our heart's touched also. So it's okay. You know, I have one of the clients that I work with said she went back to work as a pediatric nurse and she put a sign, please say my name, my daughter Kate's name. Ask me about, you know, mention Kate. Ask me to tell you something about Kate today. And she said, I love it. And should I would cry through it. And people after a while were like, you taught us how to be with our friends who've had loss. Right. Wow, that's that was really brave of her to do that, though. That's um, that's bravery. I work with a, a local area group here and with kids who are grieving. And I always tell them, you know, the tears are just the words your heart can't say. That's all it is. Oh, I love that. And, and again, don't know where this comes from, the whole shame around crying. And I was like, it's there's I said, there's absolutely no shame in this game for you. And tears are just words your heart can't say and it's okay to have them and you don't have to explain them you don't have to excuse them you don't have to do anything with them you can just let them be your tears and if it makes somebody else uncomfortable that's them that's not you that's them and that's why all of you listeners when we're sad and we're like oh i have to go out but i'm crying i'm not saying you have to go out and cry you're doing a service for other people like Elizabeth Edwards said, when she went shopping and cried or made a phone call, we're normalizing tears. Like I even speak in high schools and middle schools a lot. And I'll say, if you see somebody crying, everyone doesn't have to go up to them. or They're just sad. You know, I'm not saying a friend can't say you want some company, but we don't have to act so uptight. I'm one of these people, and some of you may not agree with this, but I don't even like handing tissues to people when they're crying because I have found that within five seconds, the person stops crying. And I think we don't cry enough. That interrupts the process. It really does. It, and again, like you said, Stephanie, earlier, it's because the people around the person crying become uncomfortable. And you know why they're uncomfortable? I think because they don't let themselves cry. They're not in touch with their own pain. There's so much pain in our world right now on so many levels. We could all cry. Like I wish every morning at 9 a.m. we'd all cry together. And then at 10, we could scream into a screen box, which is like a toilet paper roll stuffed with tissues and paper towels, and you just scream. And I was in a school once, and a fifth grader said, my mom died. I cry whenever I'm sad at school, and I don't care if anyone says anything. And the kid said, yeah, he cries whenever he's sad, and it's like, it's cool. And I'm like, isn't that great? A 10-year-old boy teaching the other kids. When you, I said, we don't apologize when we laugh. True. But although laughing, and I want to mention that with the holidays, because that's another area a lot of people feel disloyal. Sometimes they'll say, I feel guilty. I had a moment. I enjoyed the dinner and I wasn't thinking about my child or my spouse or for that moment. And again, it's like just knowing it's okay. You're going to have moments where you laughed and that you enjoyed this part of it. And it doesn't mean you love that person any less. Right. It means you were experiencing some joy. You were experiencing some, you were present in the moment, just like we're present to our sadness 
and we want, don't want to judge it. We want to give ourselves permission to be scared and overwhelmed and afraid and angry and sad. We also want to be able to be present and give ourselves permission to laugh and smile and have our heart be touched. Oh, man, Lisa, that is such a tough one for to go through because you do feel like you, you feel like it's an out-of-body experience the first time you kind of feel that sense of joy come back to you or that that sense of maybe even just being less sad. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, how can I, you know, how did that happen? And, and then you just realize that it's such an organic thing to to find joy in, in, in different things and to and to want to be on the, on the quote, other side, right? That's everybody's phrase, you know, when are you going to get to the other side? And it's like, I don't know, when are you going to get to the deep end of the ocean, right? It's like, I don't know why people say that, but they do. They're like, when are you going to get to the other side? And I'm like, other side of what? Right, because people want people to move through as if we're, I don't know, learning how to do something. Like, okay, you're done. It's over. People say, I want you to be, when are you going to be your old self? And I'll tell people, this is their new self. I'm never that. Yeah. They're, they're changed. No. And I even say having a child with a devastating illness, you know, every day I'm a different person because every day we're just marking, you know, how we got through that, that experience of that day and that news and that treatment and that whatever, all the that's. It just makes you a completely different person. And I'm a totally different person than I was a year ago. And I'm definitely a different person than I was nine, ten years ago, nine years ago when he left, when he died. So tell me, Stephanie, what are some of the qualities that you have in your new self that you didn't have before? Bravery, it sounds like. Bravery. We're on a deeper level. Confidence. There's no other way to explain it, but I just feel this sense of internal calm of I have done so many hard things. I can continue to do these things and none of them are going to be as hard as what I've already done. I love that. I love that. All of you, how often, right, do we not stop and say, good for me? Yeah. I got out of the house today or I made that call today or I was able to be there today. Like, that's huge. We need to do that more. And we need to think about, I, I was at a workshop once, Doug Smith, and he's amazing. He lost a child to that, I don't know the name of the disease, elephant man disease. That's what they would call it. But he lost one child. He lost another child in surgery. And he talked about the surgeon crying with him. That he, The surgeon he got to know came and said, we lost our girl. And he said, I'll never forget the surgeon. With He said, surgeons often are disconnected from their emotions. And this surgeon just got on his knee and cried wow. and said, I'm so sorry. And Douglas, just the way he talked about, you know, grief. And he would taught us all. He said, we all need to make a, a wounded warrior, like Henry Nowen's words, the wounded, the wounded healer. He said, we need to make a wounded healer resume. And you write down all the difficult things you've gone through in your life thus far. And then next to it, what you have learned, like you just said, Stephanie, the confidence, the bravery, and the internal calm. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that came out of it. Yes, in a moment, we give all those things back to have our person back. But what are those things you've gone through? Because so many kids will say to me, especially the ones that have lost a parent at a very young age, they're like, 
I've already gone through the worst thing. My friends are upset about this, so they can't go here. I've already gone through, I can get through anything. Yep. And not that every moment they're feeling that way, their self-esteem gets rocked and things, as you said, come close. But there is that sense of, wow, I have really done and come through a lot. I think the one big reminder that I like to tell people is it's never an either or thing. It's never today I'm grateful, tomorrow I, I'm grieving. You can be grateful and grieve at the yes. same time. They're, they're, not, they're not exclusive of each other. And people just have to learn to internalize so much of that. And I think when you learn to internalize that, the phrase at least kind of leaves your body because you realize that what you've been through is yours and yours alone. And I would never say to somebody, well, at least your husband didn't die. Absolutely. <laughs> I also think that when somebody sometimes is in deep grief and people say to you, you there's so much for you to be grateful for, we want to bop them on the head because it's like, that's not what we're in touch with right now. But I do think you're right. You can have both. Mm-hmm. I think my perspective on things has changed and my compassion. I tell people all the time, I love my tribe ferociously. And I have so much compassion in my heart that I think sometimes people can't deal with it. (laughs) Because I'm just so overwhelmed with wanting to just be that dot connector for people and help get resources lined up and just offer up what I can call only a a rope and and a life jacket. It's like, just hang on, just hang on help us come. I love that. And that's all you can offer. I love that. Just hang on. Just hang on. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what we need. And I was at a workshop recently by Robert Mace, who does a lot with um, disaster and international resilience. I can never remember the name of his business in Boston, but he was saying, we want to offer people hope when there's been a trauma and a traumatic lesson. But he said, and they need connection. But first thing they need is to feel safe and for us to help them feel safe and then they can get connected and then we can give them some hope so I love that because you give them the rope or the life raft and say hang on like here just for now and feeling safe is one of those like I don't know what it's like one of the three pillars of life you have to have right to in order to be a complete human being and when somebody doesn't feel safe Every ounce of their neurons are just activated. And I, I always equate it to like a big floodlight going off and they're just looking and looking and searching for all the things that are just going to blow up and have to be whack a mold And if we can get everybody to just kind of narrow it down to a flashlight instead of a floodlight, yep. I think that's just so much better. And then you just say, hang on. Uh, you have such a lovely way about you, Stephanie, your voice. Oh, thank you. The things you say, it's really, you touch a lot of lives. I know that. Well, thank you. Well, this has been wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners are going to ask for you to come back on. So please, let's stay in touch and um, have you back on maybe in the spring when we can all get through. We're in Minnesota and it's dark and dreary already and winter's coming. And Yes, I know. I'm grieving that. I And that's even that. Us giving ourselves permission to make plans for the shortened days, the less light. What can we do for ourselves when it's, and yet last thing I'll say is some grievers will say, I kind of like it. 
gives me permission to stay in and be in my grief and no one's coming to my door at 6 p.m., which feels like midnight. So, yeah. And here's what I say to people because I am a summer girl. I'm a Leo, but I love my summers. And I always say in my head, summer starts December 21st because that's when the days start getting longer. That's when the solstice, winter solstice kicks in. And I'm like, so in my head, we only have six weeks of this dark. And then we we kind of creep back up and out we go again. Because really, by the end of January, things are looking pretty good outside. Definitely. That's so funny. I'm a summer girl and I'm born January 17th. And by my birthday every year, there's so much more light. So I'm with you on that. We just have to make it to December 21st. And I always say the last two weeks of the year are a wash for everybody. Nobody gets it anything constructive done we are officially in the kick it into next year phase so, <laughs> you know. you're so right i so love it's that just, you just got to get through to the 21st on this darkness thing and then and once you change your frame of mind on that you realize winter winter isn't that horrible well in minnesota anyways right absolutely and again giving ourselves permission and during these next few weeks make those lists of things that give us safety, security. Well, thank you again for coming on. This has been just delightful. Thank you so much, Stephanie. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of Energy in Action. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Lisa from Grief Speaks. Definitely check out her website, griefspeaks.com. You can also find her all over social media, Facebook, Instagram. She just always has some great reminders and some some thoughts to noodle on when you feel like you're alone in this area. And I really challenge all of us to use those tools that we talked about. I'm definitely going to be putting some notes, voice memos on my phone, uh, reminding me that I can do some great things, that I'm capable. And I love having a list of places I can go when I'm feeling overwhelmed and needing to recalibrate. Those are some awesome, awesome tools that we can have. So as usual, remember to give us a five-star rating on your listening app, but this helps boost us up the charts and it helps even more people find energy in action and get resources that they need. Be sure to join us next time for all things mito and rare disease. This is your host, Stephanie, rare mom extraordinaire.